Welcome to episode 19 of the Trail Runners Experience. How much thought do you give to, to the food you eat? Do you plan your nutrition in races? Have you ever wondered if your running could improve with a better diet? Today's episode is all about nutrition. Steph Gaskell from Nutrition Strategies joins me on the podcast to discuss diet, nutrition, and how the right diet can improve performance. Steph is an accomplished distance runner and a very knowledgeable sports dietitian. Stay tuned to the end of the episode for a special giveaway. Enjoy the show. Okay, so joining me on the line via Skype, we've got Steph Gaskell from Nutrition Strategies. Hello, Steph. How are you today? Hey, Daniel. I'm good. Thank you. Um, nice and sunny in Melbourne for a change. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's sunny here in Adelaide as well. So at spring weather kicking in nicely across the country. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks for joining us. And um, I, I do really appreciate your time. And I appreciate that uh, maybe you could... Um, contribute to the podcast and I know there's a lot of people out here out here who listen and who would like to know a bit about um, nutrition which is something you have a fairly good background in if you'd like to just maybe just take a minute to tell us a bit about um, what you do you work for you have you own a, you have a company called nutrition strategies maybe there's a good starting point for you yeah 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 sure um so yeah, I've been a dietitian since, I guess, I think 2005 or so. Um, and basically from there I did a bit of um, a rural flying doctor things in um, in Wyala in, in the country. Um, cool. And then, yeah, so that was really cool. Did a mixture of clinical community and a range of, of things there. Um, but my interest was always in... Um, running nutrition but also very much in gastrointestinal nutrition um so then i went to melbourne and i got offered some work in melbourne and worked with the crew uh, that do a lot of work in um gastrointestinal issues like fodmap um so monash um and then yeah and then um went back to adelaide because i was a little bit homesick um and started up a practice um, over there, and now it's known as Nutrition Strategies. Um, and so we're based at Spark um, in Mile End, um, the Sports and Arthritis Clinic, and oh, got yeah. a really good, yeah, really good team there. So a mix of sports physicians, um, physios, um, you know, massage podiatry, Michael. Michael Nitschke is quite a good runner. Some of you may yeah. know. Um, Michael's a podiatrist, am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah he's a he's a podiatrist. Um, they're very um, and very practical as well, and you know that does assessments and things in terms of your running and um, and um, yeah. So that's yeah. a that's a good a good team that we've got in Adelaide, and then. Um, I basically moved um, to Melbourne late uh, last year um, because, I guess, for a number of reasons. Um, as much as I enjoy parts of private practice, I also um, like, um, I guess, challenges and, and some change, um, and I really enjoy teaching. Um, so I'd like to get more into the academic 
um, world and teaching at uni uh, and wanted to give research a crack. Um, so moved yeah. to uh, Melbourne and um, studying my honours this year, uh, which I've just completed. And the idea and the aim is to do a PhD. Fantastic. Yeah. Mm. And so you've just, um, staying on that topic, so you, that's a great introduction, but so on that topic, you've um, just completed a rather, I'm, I'm assuming it's a, a rather large thesis. Um, mm. Is that for your honours? Am I correct? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell yeah. us a little yep. about that? Yep. Um, so, yeah, I find, um, yeah, honours is quite demanding. Um, it really was a good challenge, um, but but achievable. Um, so um, my research um, in terms of what I'm doing at Monash um, is looking at, uh, so we, we know gastrointestinal issues are very common and prevalent in, um, in sport and most commonly in endurance and ultra-endurance um, sport. Um, so you can see GI issues you know, like in marathons, the prevalence is about anywhere from 4 to 10%, whereas when you move it into the ultra-endurance world, it, it goes up from over 50%. And in, you know, 160K races, there's there can be a 96% prevalence rate. So super, super common. Yeah. Um, and obviously really upsetting for the runner um, because <laughs> it, it can not only slow you down, it can actually... Um, create DNFs for people um, and no one likes a DNF. Um, no, they don't. But it can actually also then lead to, if it's quite serious, to health complications. Um, so, you know, there's been things like um, colitis, um, fecal blood loss and things like that. So um, obviously, like, runners want to prevent that. So they look at diet. You know, one of the strategies they look at is diet um, and um, so as part of my review, it was also looking at, well, what, what's the evidence um, out there for, um, you know, manipulating diet leading into um, exercise and to try and prevent GI symptoms. Um, and there's not, there's not a huge amount of um, literature out there in that area. Uh, so it's, it is very common for athletes to change their diet um, and common things that are recommended are, you know, looking at dietary fibre, protein, fat leading into exercise and or at least in your pre-meal. Um, but also what's really common, what, what a lot of athletes can also do is actually go and implement gluten-free diets. Yep. Um, and there's actually no... There, there's not the evidence for, for gluten-free diets in terms of from a um, perspective of, you know, managing GI symptoms unless, of course, you know, someone's got celiac disease or there's other health issues going on. So um, there's no, there's, there's no yeah. so you're saying, sorry to jump in there, that, um, yeah. there's no sort of scientific evidence that a, a, a gluten-free diet is going to make any difference to a non-celiac mm. person, is that correct? Yeah, so in terms of the, the research that's being done at the moment, so Dana Lease um, does a lot in this field as well. So she's a researcher in um, Canada, um, but she did her PhD over in Tassie. Um, 
and she looked at gluten-free diets, you know, because it, it, it was the rage or is the rage um, and looked at it from, you know, GI symptoms and also a performance um, perspective. Yeah. Um, and so far, you know, like definitely there can be more research in the area. Um, but with that um, review, it, it didn't look promising. Um, the But what, what we also see is, um, and what we see in in sort of every day is commonly, you know, people can... So the types of symptoms that people get with running are typically irritable bowel-like symptoms. So they're symptoms that people with irritable bowel syndrome get, you know, it's, it yeah. encompasses, you know, stomach bloating, um, pain, distension, you know, cramping, bowel movements, flatulence. So, so really very similar um, yeah. across the board from IBS and runners. Um, and so um, when, when we look at the clinical part, um, often what people with IBS do and what they have done in the past is they were actually putting themselves on a gluten-free diet because they were also blaming gluten for the symptoms. And, and there's lots of research in that area. And what we've seen is it actually isn't gluten that's, that's creating the issue. But for many of these people, it's actually been what we call FODMAPs, um, which some people um, I'm sure have heard of and other people maybe not. Yep. Um, so um, FODMAPs are basically just types of fermentable carbohydrates um, and they're found in everyday foods, so healthy and unhealthy food. Um, and one of the FODMAPs is fructans, and that's commonly found in foods that also contain gluten. So it's found in your wheat, your rye, your barley. Uh, I see the pop, um, yeah. You see the connections. So um, so what what the thought is is actually, hey, it's, it's probably not gluten um, playing a role, but it, it potentially is FODMAPs. Um, and um, and definitely FODMAPs, a low FODMAP diet, we've got a lot of evidence for that in, in for people with irritable bowel or functional gut um, issues. And then what we wanted to do is, okay, well, you know, similar symptoms, is there a role and athletes are already manipulating um, foods that are high in FODMAPs without knowing it? Um, and this is what Dana's um, survey and research found. So she then looked into... Is there a role for FODMAPs manipulating that um, in order to help manage or prevent symptoms for, for runners? Right. Um, yeah. So so that was her. That's that was her part of her research. So she she did a study, um, and what we were then doing was building we're building on that um, with with their study. There we would argue that the um, the actual exercise intervention um, wasn't really significant enough for us to be able to see a lot of gut changes. Um, and so that, I guess, led to the study um, and thesis uh, for what I did this year. Um, and that was looking at a 24-hour uh, low FODMAP diet leading yeah. into exertional heat stress. And right. what role does that have for um, preventing or managing, you know, gut symptoms um, during during and post-exercise as well? Because 
the other thing is symptoms are not only super common during running, but they're also really common post-exercise. Yes. Mm, and there's not been a huge amount done in that area either. So, um, so basically what I did, um, I got some awesome running friends to um, maybe not know all what they were volunteering and getting themselves into. Um, but we got, uh, we got quite good runners too, recreational to, to quite high level. You know, we had a runner in there that say, uh, two, he's a, he's like a two, um, a two fifteen or two nineteen runner. Pretty good, pretty good runner. So almost Olympic um, level. Yeah. Anyway. Almost, or Commonwealth games level. Yeah. 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 It's decent times and we we had really good um trail runners as well competitive elite like you know sponsored by some some good um trail running companies so it was lucky in that regard um we recruit we recruited 18 runners um and i really wanted to um get females involved as well because a lot of research especially in sports and things you know it, it can be a lot in males. Um, it's strange. I don't, I, I, I've noticed that, but I don't understand why. You're probably never better. I, oh. I'm, it just, yeah, it, make, it makes sense. It's because of there's a lot of changes, you know, yeah. with women. got to factor in um, hormonal, uh, menstrual changes, fuel utilisation. There's, there's differences there. So... Um, but clearly that's they, 50% of the population just about. They yes. would they, you think there needs to be some studies done. Yeah. Exactly, and yeah. I yeah totally agree. Um, but that's that's probably you know one of the reasons why. And and sometimes and when you're looking at sports research, you know it's very different different sometimes to the clinical because you know clinical there there can be massive numbers. You know with their research, it's two hundred, three hundred um, sometimes. And when you're looking in sports, it's much smaller numbers. It's quite difficult to to get the people in and testing. Um, so, you know, there's a range of, range of factors there. But um, we were lucky enough to get um, females and males in. Um, and basically what it involved was we gave them, you know, the food for 24 hours. So it was very well controlled. Um, they did, they, they consumed that diet. Then they came in the next morning and they um, they'd had their brekkie that we provided. Um took some bloods, and then we got them running on a treddy. Um, they were in 35-degree heat. Oh. Um, yep. Uh, and they were running for two hours at 60% um, VO2. Um, okay. And then post that, we got bloods again, um, and then we kept them in the lab for another um, four hours. So it's also a reasonable commitment, you know, and that also makes it hard to recruit Um because it's during the week, um, depending on university, you know, there's there's rules around testing on weekends and things. So, um, so that was that was what was involved um, for them, um, and what and the little bit of information that sometimes I may not have totally told all my friends doing uh, was that they also had to wear a rectal thermometer during the um, the running experience. Oh, that would have been fun. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. it was quite, quite entertaining for some of them. To try, um, so they had to run for two hours with a rectal thermometer. With a rectal thermometer up the bum. Oh, my yeah. goodness. That, that... <laughs> it, 
but you know what? It sounds worse than what it is. You must have some loyal friends. Yeah, I have some loyal loyal friends. Um, yeah. And look, I did it because people were like, you know, uh, Steph have done this before, and I said, look, yes, I have. Um, so that was quite quite entertaining. But we needed to do that because um, obviously we've got them in thirty six degree. Yeah. Uh, where we need to pull them out if their if their temp's getting beyond forty. Yes. Um, wow. But at the same time, we also actually want to get their temp um, reasonably up because the reason we put them in this specific environment is because that's the environment that we've seen in research that um, will influence gut disturbances. So. Um, my supervisor, um, Ricardo Costa, who is just a wealth of information, and he was um, he's an ex-pro triathlete. Um, he has done so much research in this area, so you know we're building on on what he's um, done already. Um, so, so that was the research, and we were testing for. Um, you know, symptoms, we were testing for carbohydrate malabsorption um, and we were also testing for certain gut disturbances in, in the blood, so um, changes <clears throat> in um, things like intestinal fatty acid binding protein, we were looking at cortisol changes, so um, there was a bit there was a bit involved. Um, so we've we finished, we've completed that study uh, and... Um, I can only really say sort of a brief um, mention of that because it hasn't been uh, published yet. Yep. Um, but we'll be, yeah, hopefully presenting and publishing that. Um, so really my recommendation from that work would be that there there is definitely some evidence for the role that manipulating your dietary FODMAP intake into exertional exercise for, yeah. for individuals that are susceptible to symptoms. Which um, is probably a lot of people, I mean, myself included. But yeah. there's, there's a lot of people, like majority of runners, if they're doing ultras, like they have symptoms. At some point uh, you will, yeah. At, at some point, right. Yeah. And the question is, you know, are those symptoms debilitating to them? Like, has it slowed them down? Um, is it interfering with their race? Um, and if yes, then I would say it's worthwhile looking into um, changing FODMAPs leading into the, the running. Um, and the important part there is that you don't, you know, do this forever um, for for a runner or for, for an athlete where they're looking to do it for symptoms during exercise, it's really just to look at that leading into exercise. Yes. Um, because the important thing is um, when we do change FODMAPs in people's diet, if we do it long term, that can have some changes to, you know, gut bacteria and things like that, which we don't necessarily think is a fantastic thing. So it's it's like a short term um, intervention to, to yeah to manage symptoms. That's really interesting. Um, I because there is a lot of uh, interest at the moment just in the general in the general media about um a gut gut health and the gut biome and things like that. And so it is interesting you bring that up. 
Um, so while I was listening to you, I actually Googled um, the Monash University website um, yeah. and the, the FODMAP, monashfodmap.com is the web, yeah. web address. I'm, I'm assuming you would have, would have had a hand in this or at least know a bit about it. Um, yeah, and it's great. I found, I just straight away found the thing about like the food categories, what are high FODMAP foods versus low FODMAP food alternatives. And you've got, yeah, yeah. So I guess, yeah. so you obviously know a fair bit about this particular page I'm looking at, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. So Monash, um, uh, look, they're the leaders in that area. So um, they, they, they created that, um, developed that all in terms of from the clinical research so that they do a lot of research in individuals with irritable bowel, functional gut, so... Um, you know, IBD, celiac. Um, so, so they continue to test foods and they're testing foods from around the world now. So there's a really cool app um, that you can download um, and it tells you, you know, if you're in the US, you know, what foods are high in FODMAPs there because it varies depending on your country due to soil, climate, etc. cetera. Um, so, so they're, they're leading in that field. Um, we, um, if you do a search on the, I think it should be, um, Monash Exercise and Sports Clinic, um, that's where you'll see more of the sports-related um, nutrition info. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah, we've just released a book, um, the Monash Sports Exercise Team. We've developed um, a, a book that's, it's a recipe book um, that's low FODMAP um, and based around athletes. So, you know, there's fueling foods, there's recovery, there's leading in foods. Um, so, you, and that, and that in that um, area, it, you'll also see where we do, um, we do testing. So, um, we've had people from um, as far as Spain um, fly in and, and come and get testing because their gut symptoms are ruining their races and these guys are, um, you know, pro or quite... It's not even yeah. that they need to be pro-recreational and, you know, this is what they love doing, but it's... Exactly. Yeah, it's not fun for them. So people spend money on that, you know, um, and I think what we do is we're testing, we're being able to get objective data and... Um, I see individuals, um, you know, in office, online, but it's really difficult when someone has gut symptoms in exercise. It's not that I can come up with a simple answer, oh, yep, it's this. There's so many complexities to what influences gut symptoms that when if we can then get you, put you in a similar environment and then test you, so we can get objective data um, that will help us be better able to help you, you know, yeah. being more specific. Um, otherwise, all we can do is take gambles. Yes. Um, and that can be really like not only frustrating for the individual, but it's also frustrating for me because I feel like, you know, I'm letting them down because, you know, I've, tried to help them some some it works and it's great but some some it doesn't and it's it's very difficult until we can actually see you know kind of get some more objective stuff yeah it, it's fascinating like 
since I've I've been running ultras myself for uh, for a number of years, getting close to ten years, I suppose. Um, and probably only a few years ago when I started actually taking my nutrition a lot more seriously. And I'm still I've still got a long way to go in terms of what to learn. Um, yeah. But um, just even just a couple of years ago when I started taking my nutrition more seriously, my running improved so much. You know. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. But um, I mean, I still make lots of mistakes. And um, example, exhibit A, on the yep. on the weekend when I ran the Heisen one hundred and five um, over the weekend, and I had um, yeah a lot of nausea, and and it was there was temperature things, and and I, I know a lot of other people on the same day because it was it wasn't the hottest day, but it was quite humid, and um, mm-hmm. it was in the low twenties and very exposed. Um, course so not a lot of shade and yeah just the the just so I think because I was losing so much fluid and it was just very got very hard to keep food in and keep it down and um which therefore then it has got that domino effect if you, you don't have the the energy on board you know because I can't get the food in and so it was it was a bit of a it was I sort of came good later in the day when the weather cooled down and I was able to get but I had to sort of wait a couple of hours before I could get any more because so I tried cramming food in and it just yeah. it wasn't a good it didn't go well you know not gonna work well yeah and what you've got there is um you know there's like lots of factors that um can increase the risk for gut symptoms and you know the environment the temperature the humidity is is one of them so obviously you know yeah when we're in a hotter or more humid environment or you know more exposed um, that's going to um, influence symptoms because when you look at you know um, causes of, of gut issues or um, two main things are involved in the body um, physiology wise we get uh, hypo perfusion so um, you know less blood flow going to the gut um, because yep. it's obviously directed to the muscles um, and then we have what we say is neuroendocrine changes, which is basically changes in your um, in the in the neural and in the hormone pathway, um, yeah. and that yeah that affects you know stomach movement, motility, intestinal movement. Um, it, it affects emptying, you know how quickly food is going to move from your stomach to your intestines. It, it affects absorption. It's um, fascinating. What's that? That's fascinating because you do hear. I, sorry to to jump in there, but does would that actually have a factor in? Um, quite often you hear about athletes they actually put on weight during a race, or is that is that something different um, to do with the fluid retention? Um, um, yeah, yeah, they could get they could have fluid retention probably more so, but also yeah, they they could be a number of things there. They might also be over hydrating depending on the event um yeah. so um yeah that could definitely be, be an issue um but yeah when you're adding in then when you think you know heat humidity then that's going to affect you know that blood flow um to, to the gut um and when you're running um again in your ultras we we are doing damage to to the lining of our gut um so we're we're creating some injury um, to the lining of the gut, and that then also affects your 
permeability of the intestine so things can kind of leak through um and yeah and it also affects your absorption of nutrients so we actually see an exercise we we actually do have more difficulty absorbing nutrients because the transporters that are in our intestine wanting to absorb nutrients are for some reason you know impaired um so there's, there's reasons why we get those symptoms um, and, you know, nausea and things like that um, is a number of factors, but neuroendocrine sort of changes there for, for individuals. Um, so you're dealing with, you know, you're dealing with all, all of those, those factors. Um, and so, um, you know, what you're, what, what we're trying one of the other things you mentioned is, you know, like obviously when this happens, then you, you kind of are putting a hold on nutrition that you're getting in. Um, one key thing that that is good for, for runners to do if they can is to try and get, it's good to try and get a steady stream of nutrition, um, yeah. so like small frequent amounts. Um, and because what that can also do is potentially help with you know blood flow and things um so you know better i think to try and get you know small intakes throughout more frequent um than trying to sometimes get like just you know a bolus kind of amount yes um because also then what you're doing is if you try and like what i see some runners do is they get to your aid station um and unfortunately for some of them maybe they um, accidentally ran out of food so they've been craving you know this aid station then they get to the aid station and they just like shuck everything in because they're like tired they want pick you know a pick me up they're hungry um, and then they're putting in you know a mixture of stuff quite energy dense um, your gut's already not working that well so it's probably not going to pan out that well if you put, you know, a whole heap in, in the instant. Yes. You're much better off to kind of plan out what you're going to do, get to the aid station, have something, grab it for, you know, your next few, you know, Ks, et cetera, um, than to just kind of try and load it all in, in the one hit. Um, yeah. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds like very smart advice, and which is something that I generally do. And I, yep. but I mean, I think made a few rookie errors on the weekend and probably put too much in too quickly because, but I don't uh, like, yeah, it was, I, it was strange. I guess I, I, I fell into all those traps that you just described. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah um, but you know, you can be smart too, right? You can, and you can do things to plan and it can still get you. Like that's the frustrating thing of gut symptoms. We, we don't know everything about it. Yeah. Super so all we can do is try our best and you know what you did is you had symptoms you stopped because you couldn't get anything in you needed to give your gut a rest um and then when you could you know you got it in so yeah uh, it's tough um also though i think what i also see is because um like ultra running obviously is, is is exploding um it's so so common um and we've got so many events um, and we like we like to do different events and we like challenges so um, but we may not always be able to um, prepare as well for that particular event so yes. um, 
you know, like if you're choosing an event and it's gonna and it's gonna be at altitude or it's you know you're gonna be super hot or warm. Um, if you're going to do an event like that, um, individuals need to really try and acclimatize to that environment. Yeah. Um, for the gut, not only for training, but you know for training for the gut as well. Um, and sometimes that's hard though because <clears throat> ultras, you know, you get a mix of of environments as well. And you don't always know what you're going to get on the day, um, but that will also play play a part for individuals. If if unfortunately they haven't been able to acclimatise that well, um, that's definitely going to play a part in increasing someone's risk for gut for gut issues. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things I talk about with my athletes that I train is that you know, you, especially during your long runs, it's a dress rehearsal for the race. So practice your nutrition and practice you know what you're going to carry what socks you're going to wear what underpants you're going to wear you know like yes. I, I, yeah. I do I get them to do all those things and um I guess you want to eliminate as many variables as possible and yeah and have mm-hmm. and have your gut um sort of prepped and um which actually that leads me on to a question that I wanted to ask you um uh, your thoughts on you see a lot of these people that do these sort of depletion runs where they mm-hmm. in their training they will they will run obviously depleted and they won't, they won't eat. What are your, it doesn't sit, and I don't do it myself. I don't condone it with my athletes, but I'm not a dietitian, but um, I just think it feels really uncomfortable and, and it seems dangerous to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, look, uh, so that, there, there can be a role for, for that um, in context. So what, um, you know, with training, how obviously, you know, we do, periodized training so you you know with your athletes you've got certain sets like easy some speed some hills etc yes um the, all that's kind of you know planned out um nutrition should be if we can try and plan it out a bit so periodize our nutrition um and what i mean by that is is like know the role or the point to what someone's session is you know so um is uh example being okay i've got a quality a quality session where i've got um you know intervals um and so the point to this session is to you know do do my best get quality work um so that's the type of session that i want to be well fueled for um and well primed for so um, that I can I can really you know perform the best that I can. I've got the fuel stores on board, etc. Um, we um, then can also get some benefits from doing some sessions by training training lower. Um, and where I would usually look at that type of session would be where it's not as important for quality. Um, it's it's longer, it's slower, um, and the reason behind why I would look at that is because um, you can get some training adaptations through that way, um, and one like everyone kind of sort of looks at oh yeah because you can um, improve your ability to oxidize fat. Um, but one of the key things for endurance athletes is um, changes in um, mitochondria. 
Yeah. Um, so some benefits for that. And some people may know my, mitochondria are like your powerhouses of your cells. Yep. So it's involved in your energy pathways. Um, so we can get some benefits for doing that, but it's about knowing like when I should do it um, and planning that out. Um, so, so yes, yes, there can be some benefits um, that you just want to strategize where you have that. It's the same with what we see now is um, like after you do a set, so um, you do you do a hard session. What you may do is if you don't have another hard session um, until, you know, a couple of days later or, or what have you, what you can actually also do is purposely delay your nutrition post that set because, again, what we're doing is we're, we potentially can get some training adaptations in that, in that way as well just by delaying the nutrition we, we put in. Um, so... It's a bit of both, right? Then yeah. we do a quality set, we get nutrition, you know, in soon after, we get benefits from that. Um, so it's really, again, working with the, the individual, understanding the purpose to the session, um, and you can you can actually do a, a mix of those, um, of those things. But we do need to be careful in um, not not overdoing it um, and knowing the individual and what their energy needs are because if we go too low in certain things, um, you know, um, also if we sometimes some people get a super low carb intake, that actually can put some stress on the immune system, which isn't necessarily fantastic. And, yeah. um, and you know, already when we're running, we're, we're putting stress on the immune system. So, um there's a bit of pros and pros and cons to both. I was a bit nervous about um, opening up that can of worms about low carb. Um, there's a, that's a bit of a thing at the moment too. And like um, the ketogenic diet and people, I don't know if we want to scratch that. <laughs> do, do you, um, or do you, um, I know there's a lot of people are quite critical of it as from a diet, from a dietitian perspective. What are your thoughts on the keto diet for, um, for runners? Just, Probably, I know you could probably say a lot about it, but maybe in like sort of condensed version. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, ketogenic um, and, you know, high fat diets, there's people can use the terms a bit loosely. Like some people say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm following ketogenic diet and highly likely they're not actually truly following a ketogenic diet. It's probably just a higher fat diet quite difficult to follow a ketogenic diet um you know the carbs actually need to be super low um and also watching protein intake in that as well if you creep over you can very easily put yourself not in the ketogenic phase um so ketogenic can definitely have some some role for um you know in the clinical area epilepsy things things like that um, and yes, higher fat diets um, uh, potentially can can have a role for particularly probably ultra endurance um, athletes. Right. Um, but the other thing with and so I'm not you know if someone sees me uh, and they and they want to do high fat and they want to give that a go you know great we we will work with each individual, what their beliefs, goals are, obviously trying to make sure we're not doing anything harmful. Um, 
But the other thing as well is like how I think of it is really as an athlete and as a runner, we want to be, and Louise Burke um, is a um, head of AIS um, in nutrition and has done like so much research in sports nutrition. So I, I really um, appreciate some of her key messages. And one of her messages is that as an athlete, we actually want to be metabolically flexible. Um, you know, you don't really want to be fantastic at burning just, you know, one nutrient, I would say. Yeah, right. Um, you want to be able to burn, you know, you want to be able to burn fat. You also want to be able to burn carbohydrate. Um, and when we look at um, fuel burning and usage just um, very easily, you know, when you're going at the lower intensity, um, you know, yes, we're burning more fats than carbohydrate. As the intensity increases, we're starting to burn more carbohydrate, still fats, but starting to burn more carbohydrate. Um, and as a runner, you, you know, people say, oh, yeah, um, you go high fat because it's lower intensity. But I still say, you know, as a runner and in, in ultras, you still need to have kicks. You still need to surge up hills. Yeah. Well, just so the energy demand of running up a hill, whether you're running faster or not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so therefore, you you know, and to be able to do that, you're going to be wanting to use carbohydrate. So um, I would say that there's potentially, you know, restrictions there. Um, when also when you do go on a higher fat diet, you actually are then going to impair your ability to burn carbohydrate. There's metabolic changes that occur there. So um, for me, it's about trying to get uh, athletes to be able to do both. In our lab, we can test people and we can actually see, you know, um, what how well do they burn the the two, like fats and carbs, and and we might see oh you know, there's a benefit here that they're not that great at burning fats. You know, if we do a bit of changes in terms of training diet, we can manipulate that um, and that potentially can be beneficial for them. Um, so, yeah, so I think mixture. Also what we see is actually in ultra-endurance runners, um, they actually are pretty good at burning fats just because the pure length that they're training and they're running for they, um, their body becomes quite good at oxidizing fats. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm. Well, that, that's really um, interesting. And I've, in the last 10, oh, actually, since we've been talking, I've learned quite a lot already. And so I appreciate that. But that's definitely um, an interesting perspective. It almost like you, you come back to the word balance sort of mm -hmm. without saying, you're sort of talking about, you know, essentially a good runner has to be able to balance foods, essentially. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. No, but it's um that's that's amazing information so far. Um, I wanted to just touch on um maybe a little bit more specifics about sort of good quality race nutrition. Like what you would um and I know what you do, you individualize. You sort of look at the individual, but let's if we could sort of speak in general terms, just for people. Let's pretend. I mean, I, I'm like I say, I don't have a background in in science in terms of um especially food science or diet dietetics or whatever but um i yeah i'd love to hear to like to someone like me to the uninformed 
what's a good race nutrition look like? Um, so, um, for for example, the one hundred, I just the hundred k's that I just did on the weekend. What would that generally look like? Obviously, you'd have carbs. Like, how would you balance it out? Um, so you're talking about during racing? During racing, yeah. During racing, yeah, yep. Um, so I would be looking at um, trying to obviously continually top up your, um, your sort of your carbohydrate stores because when you think about it, that's your limiting fuel, right? Like we've only got a certain amount that we're going to be storing, so we're going to be depleting that. Um it's also been shown to be can be protective for the gut as well. Um, so I would be thinking about, okay, well, what's what's my pace, um, and um, you know, how much carbohydrate should I be then looking at per hour to continue to top up? Um, I would look then at, okay, my target is anywhere between 30 to 60 grams an hour, just as a range, okay? Yeah. Each individual needs to find what their sweet spot is. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, in, uh, a, more inten- a more intense, a faster runner potentially can have a bit more um, than, a, than a slower runner. Um, male, female, maybe some differences there as well. Um, male, potentially a little bit more than female. Um, I would look at in ultras definitely considering flavor fatigue as that's huge flavor yeah. fatigue not only meaning you know sweet savory but um, consistency of food yes um, changing that um, some runners like to start their runs with sweeter and then go more towards more savory later other people I find we we do a bit of hour upon hour, so we kind of do a bit of sweet and savoury, sweet, savoury. Um, so very, very individual preferences. Like I have um, people that, you know, just love, like love sweet stuff and they are fine with it. But um, many, many, many will will most certainly tire of that. Yeah. Um, so and what I would be trying to do is whatever target I'm trying to hit, per hour, then I try and break that up in the run. Um, so I'm getting some, you know, kind of trickling through and whether that be obviously where people might, if they need to, set a timer, you know, every 20 minutes or so, yes. um, then then great because it can just remind them. The other big key thing I see in runners is we tend to just kind of fuel when we're feeling flat or fatigued and I would argue in many cases, that can be too late. Yeah. Um, so, um, and the other effect that we're getting when we're fueling is we're getting the brain effect. So we're not also getting, you know, the nutrition on for our muscles, but we also are getting a benefit to the brain. The brain actually, when we put carbohydrate in the mouth, um, that actually sends signals to the brain and that's been shown to help with um, with performance. So Really? Even um, before you've digested it? Even before you digest it. And that's why that's like, I say to people, like, you know, marathon example, they're like, they feel when they're late and they say, oh, yeah, but I feel good. It's like, yeah, you feel good, feeling good from the brain effects, but actually your muscles aren't necessarily feeling good. They will for a little bit. Yeah. Um, from the... 
the fuel perspective, it may potentially take you know anywhere from I don't know 45 minutes or so for that to actually get to the muscles and be used. Yeah. Um, so you know, if you think that people are starting in a marathon, they start getting something in at like you know 30k or 35. It's too late, really. Yeah. Um, definitely need to start earlier. Um, and then I say to them, back it off near the end. Like that's what I would do. Like fuel earlier and back it off near near the end more. So if you need to. Yeah. Uh, and the types of choices, like really, I don't. Um, there's really no magic magic in you know product um some people some people like gels because they're easy they're they're portable there's a mix now like you see pizza margarita gels maple bacon gels yeah um you know you've got different consistencies you've got ones really quite thick and can be sweet you've got ones more liquid isotonic um then you've and you've got gingery ones ginger can be fantastic for helping in the management for some people of nausea yes Uh, you know lollies like you've got ginger gum bears um you've got just normal lollies you don't have to get sports lollies um often they're they're the same but obviously they're cheaper if you get them in the supermarket um you know drinks um then you've got wraps like in ultras we'll often do things like you know vegemite wraps or sandwiches um, but cut the crusts off, making things easy to eat as well. Um, you know, um, if people are more foodie-like and they really want to make a lot of their stuff, um, Scratch Labs is a company where they've got recipes where they work a lot with the Tour de France guys and they make, um, like, rice cakes, not actual rice cakes from the supermarket, but rice, and then they put jam or bacon and stuff like that in there and they put it in, like, a a Reynolds paper um, so it's easy to tear, not alfoil where it tears into um, food. Um, So... Yeah, it sounds like... So basically it's unlimited almost. But, yeah, I see... I see what you mean, but I guess the biggest thing is probably getting having an actual plan, a nutrition plan a, of sort. Yeah, definitely. Like, have a plan. Like, don't do mm. things like, oh yeah, I'll have these things available. Like, I whenever I'm doing plans, people will will have it written out, so it will be like per hour, you know, here, here, here. Then back up plans here, um, or know the purpose and what this is giving you. Um, yeah. Yeah very much it's, it's planned and then it's also about then okay well this is kind of how much I'm getting carb wise what do I need to consider fluid um fluid wise and things like that as well yeah um it's um fascinating actually while you're talking about some of the different products there I, I definitely I want to mention um uh, infinite nutrition so the that brand is um I actually I, I have <clears throat> to be fully uh, transparent. I have a, an affiliate relationship with a, with um, with Infinite, and so I actually want to. I actually t- was using it during the race on Saturday, and um, the, my biggest problem was I didn't. I had it in my drop bag. One of my drop bag. I should have had it earlier, and so I didn't get to it until much later in the race. And um, it was sort of a bit too. I mean, I, it actually helped balance things out a bit because I was able just to sip at the uh, Infinite, but. Um, yeah, I found, um, yeah, as a product, like, because it's the only one that I'm aware of that has, like, um, uh, what do you, you can individualize the mixes, and I really like that actual 
blend of it. Like, do you, have you do you have some a relationship with the infinite guys at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been working with um, Jason Rach from from Infinite Australia for oh geez for a long time. Um, um, and I guess I ran into him through. Um, I think another dietitian posting something about just being able to customize your blend. Um, and yeah. I was I was learning a lot in sports nutrition about you know really being able to um, potentially increase our carb intake um, to obviously improve performance. And so I was looking for a product in which I could do that um, while. I needed to manipulate the carbohydrate type because if I was wanting to go beyond 60 grams of carbs an hour, I can't just be getting that from glucose and maltodextrin because I'll get gut issues. Yeah. I need to get some fructose and stuff in there. So, um, and I work with a lot of triathletes, um, so guys doing Kona and things like that, and we can really push their, their limits. Like we'll get 90 grams of carbs an hour for these guys. Um, so I gave Jace a call and um, we played around with the mix and that's when we um, made the 90 gram carb mix which is pretty popular I think in Adelaide and in a range of places now um, so um, yeah that's kind of how I, I ran into Jason I like I like them um, in terms of he was always so open to me giving him these crazy ideas so we'd make yeah. it we'd we'd train with it um, there was another time where I said, okay, can we play around with, you know, sodium? And we made this super high sodium mix and yeah. I was, I was awful. But, um, the good thing is he'll listen and I'll tell him different ideas. Um, and, and he'll do it, you know, like, um, he might not always see my sense in some things. Um, but he's willing to, to test and try things out. So, Excellent. Um, yeah. No, it's a good yes. product. I mean, I've yeah. like I use it constantly in training, and I was really annoyed at myself that I didn't have it in my um, have it on me from the start, and was wasn't I didn't start for some reason. I put my I, I put it in my drop bag from checkpoint three, which is a fair way in, and um, mm -hmm. and so I um, I was assuming that it would be like it'd be something to look forward to. But by the time I got there, I was already suffering from a lot of um, yeah. na nausea issues, and um, mm -hmm. but you know. So that's not, I'm not, it's not the perfect advertisement because I didn't have it enough at the, yeah. I guess it's a good example of what not to do in a race. And um, so, look, and one of the things I say with my athletes is I'm not the perfect athlete. I'm not the fastest. I'm not, I don't do things perfectly all the time, but I, yeah. I, I try and learn from my mistakes. And yeah, Infinite was, um, it, it's, it served me really well through training and I'll, I'm, I'll obviously I'm going to keep using it. Next time I'll start sipping a lot earlier. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think it's also though like knowing, um, like um, I think sometimes when people can go and make their own mixes, that may not always end so well for them because they may not be sure what they actually need. Um, and so that can be where it's beneficial to potentially work with, you know, a, a sports dietitian because, you know, we're, we know what we're really wanting in in a product yeah. um, and in any product you know if you can customize it, you can put whatever you know you can put in a whole heap of things and they might sound great but it may actually not be great for the individual so um, 
So I think it's also just about knowing, okay, like what mix do I have here? How should I best use that? Um, and in what sort of scenario? Um, yeah, potentially mm. as well. So, yeah, but it's it's good to be able to have some products that you can individualise more mm. so um, for, yeah. for people. Um, but yeah, those guys, but again, they work like, with dietitians yeah. such as yourself to customise the blend for people. Don't like. Yes. I mean, I know they, there's the option of just making your own custom blend. But you're right, yeah. someone could go, oh, I'll just put loads of caffeine in it or something. And, you know, and or, or they'll do some, or like you said, like loads of sodium and just see what happens, yeah. you know. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's, again, like as a sports dietitian, I don't favour any, um, uh, you know, branding or anything like that either. So, you know, there's so many products. Um, and it's just about knowing, having a plan and a strategy, and then and then we work with with what what we what the preference is for the individual and or what we are trialing. Yeah, no, that's um, that's really, I could not agree more. You know, so um, no, I'm just we I think I'm I'm just looking at all these. I've got a whole list of questions that I wanted to ask you, and you've answered so many of them and more. So it's been really helpful today. I've learned heaps. Um, one of the things I haven't actually even asked you about, but um, if you wanted to, uh, sort of doing things back to front, if, but like I didn't even ask you about you as a runner and as an athlete. Um, and, um, and so even though we're near the end, was there anything, um, do you, are you still, uh, I know you were a runner or are you still a runner? Are you still competing? Yep. Uh, yeah, still, still a runner. Um, not competing at the moment, just had like a, got a long-term sort of running injury that I'm trying to work my ass off getting on top of. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, with that in mind, that hasn't been the only thing. You know, there's been um, obviously changes here with research and that for me now is taking um, my precedence. Like that's um, a big priority. So Yeah. Uh, Sacrifice. Yeah, but um, I love running. Like it without that, you know, in my life, it's it's not a great happy one. So I, I definitely love running. I live, um, you know, in the Nongs in the Dandenong Ranges. So and oh. I specifically chose here because of the the trails. Um, yeah. And um, yeah. So, but yeah, in the past, I'd done anywhere from your um. Obviously, your marathons, your 50k races, and 100k, and stage races and stuff. So, um, yeah, just I just love it. I love um, the camaraderie. Um, I love the people. Uh, a bit more laid back, uh, adventure. Yeah. And yeah, just the mix and the different challenge of 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 running. Yeah. Um. I I know that your name is still around in terms of um i know because you've competed and you've completed like their local races here like urabilla and stuff like that haven't you um yeah yeah. i I think i've seen your name up there in the like in previous um did you win it one year i i or were you uh have you come close to winning it yeah yep yep so one yeah won it one year and then um Top three, I think, in in another um, year. Amazing work, yeah. Well, it's certainly evolved. That race has evolved probably since you were last year. Um, It's very different. It doesn't even finish in the same spot anymore. So, um, 
yeah, but it's still a great race, you know. So yeah, it's sort of yeah. And there's so many yeah. trail running events here in Adelaide now. It's um like you say, I mean, people do too many races almost, you know. So, um, yeah, no, it's yeah, but it's definitely. It, I think you know that's probably also another thing to consider is for people like if you are racing, um, like a lot, like with with minimal break. You'll, you do need to try and consider your gut and giving that a bit of time to kind of recover as well. So, yeah. you know, that's one thing for people to, to think about. That's, you know, obviously if you're competing quite soon after. Yeah, absolutely. No, there's a lot of, um, yeah, I mean, I did, I think that a few years ago, I think I did maybe five ultras in one year and that was mm-hmm. way too many. And, like, there's people that do more than that every year now, like, and um, I think I don't, usually I'll do maybe two or three big events in a year, and that's plenty, you know. So, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's funny, but um, but yeah. So um, I think um, we've come up to we've been talking for a good hour now, and I, um, I, I think I might have to let you go and let you get back to your um, your your busy day. And I really appreciate your time, Steph. Pleasure, um, pleasure. Thanks. Yeah. And, um, Thanks for having us. That's okay. And did you just want to, so your nutrition strategies, do you want to give um, give yourself a little bit of a plug and just say maybe where people can contact you um, yep. if they will contact your business? Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so nutrition strategies, we're in Adelaide and Melbourne in terms of office locations. Um, but we also do a lot of um, online nutrition consulting and consulting for people from rural to overseas or even within our state. But they, you know, as, as athletes and running, um, it, it's a struggle even just to make time for these things. So, um, so we provide those services. Um, we see people with, you know, gastrointestinal sort of body composition. Uh, a whole range of things uh, and then obviously the sports nutrition yeah. in terms of contacting us uh, you can just um, either send us an email at admin at nutritionstrategies.com.au or just go to our website nutritionstrategies.com.au right. and then we can point you in the right direction excellent i'll put i'll pop that link up on the the page on uh, for this episode so that um people can find you a bit easier too and um and maybe they hopefully people have gotten something if they've got nothing more out of this they realize that nu- taking your nutrition seriously is going to make a big difference to your running and yeah, so that, that's the biggest lesson i've learned anyway so and i mean i've learned a lot today but yeah it's it, it's incredible how much my running has has changed since I started really thinking about what I'm putting in. So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And that's how I learned, you know, like yeah. I was running um, and at, like then I was studying nutrition and um, I was lucky enough to get some support from the nutrition team at the AIS. And with their help, I actually saw by treating my body better and, and fueling better, wow, like yeah. running is so much better. Yeah. Um, so we learn too, you know, and we do silly things. Like I've, I give strategies because I've done the stupid stuff. Like I overfuel, I overdo the sweet stuff. I fuel too late. Like you know, we all know things, but we still do them. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, yeah. But it's been fun, fun talking to you. Um, yeah. And, yeah, thanks for having us. My absolute pleasure. I hope you enjoyed today's chat with Steph Gaskell and learned as much as I did. Steph and the team from Nutrition Strategies have a generous offer for listeners of the Trail Runners Experience podcast. For the month of November 2018, listeners can get 20% off initial consults with Nutrition Strategies just by mentioning this podcast when you make a booking. So just go to www.nutritionstrategies.com.au or email them at admin at nutritionstrategies.com.au and don't forget to mention the Trail Runners Experience podcast and you'll get 20% off. How cool is that? Okay, so it's giveaway time. All right, the awesome team at Infinite Nutrition are giving away a big bag of their custom blend valued at $79.95. It's a huge bag to one lucky listener of the Trail Runners Experience podcast. Simply answer the following question that was brought up in today's episode. The question is, what are FODMAPs? What are FODMAPs? Submit your answer via via the Trail Runners Experience podcast Facebook page. The first correct answer wins the prize. It's that easy. So don't forget to like and subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and get on there on the Facebook page and answer that question to win a big bag of Infinite Nutrition Custom Blend. Okay, see you next week.